Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Once upon a time, there was a podcast dedicated to covering the works of Adam Sandler and Martin Scorsese. Its name was Little Marty, and my name, Uncle Eric. <laughs> and who am I? <laughs> who am I here with? You're here with Little Nephew Jeremy. Schmidt. Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, this is a this is a, a a very interesting recording because typically I don't tuck Jeremy into bed before we record these episodes. Right. This is an exclusive for the bedtime stories episode. Yes. And but going forward this sort of will be how we do things. You know. Yeah. Yeah, moving forward. This it was once Eric tucked me into bed for this podcast, I realized this is sort of closing the loop on a lot of questions we had about this podcast before. Like, uh, you know, are you guys ever going to try something new? You know, are you guys ever going to level up in any kind of way? Are you guys ever going to introduce a new set? And I think that tucking me into bed was a hit and it, and it has made for a new segment that we're going to be doing. There's a lot of podcasts out there and you got to do something different if you want to stand out. And I right. think one host tucking the other to host tightly into a race car themed bed <laughs> before <Yes. laughs> before uh, each episode is just something that I can't imagine that they're doing on NPR's pop culture happy hour. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ninety nine percent invisible. I could see it. You know. <laughs> but uh, y- you know, y- you got to stand out these days, Jeremy. You really got to stand it's out. It's true. It's true. Yes. Yeah. Um, and th- you got to set yourself apart. And how we've decided to do that is Eric will tuck me neatly into bed and tell me stories of tales, uh, d- mm. tales of of uh, of Scorsese films, and yeah, tales from the crypt. He'll be reading to me as I as I just uh, slowly doze off into slumber with my little Mimi Me's and my little Z's. Do you think as a kid, like, did you, first of all, did you have any exposure to the Crypt Keeper when you were a child? Um, yeah. Like, had you seen the Crypt Keeper? There was a Do- kid's, uh, Crypt Keeper. Uh, Interesting. Uh, show. Yeah. Was he scary to yeah, you? Yeah, No, not as, not the cartoon, but, um, <laughs> but then like it made me really want to watch the show, you know? Got it. And then, of course, my parents were like, you cannot watch that show. It's too horrible, terrible. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so it was a bummer. But um, but then watching it years later, I, you know, I guess it would have been a little rough on me as a six-year-old <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I did not see the cartoon when I was a kid, but I really wanted to watch... Um tales from the crypt because as a as a young man uh you know five or six year old 
uh, young man. I was a huge Billy Zane fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Just a huge fan of Billy Zane's work. That's cool. Now that's yeah. cool, buddy. Um, um, wow. Yeah, huge fan of season two of uh, of Twin Peaks when I was in kindergarten. Damn, uh, ahead of his so, time, this guy. Ahead of his time. Have you, have, by the way, have you, it's been a while since we've done tale, uh, speaking about crypt keeping on the <laughs> Patreon podcast. Have you put any more of a dent in that DVD box set of yours no. since we've talked about it? Uh, Eric, no. and this is for the listener as well, I refuse to watch anything that isn't for the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can't remember if Pizza Party Queen had tweeted this at us or if it was a, a message of some kind. But uh, it inspired me to maybe uh, get the get the conversation going about maybe doing another uh, another crypt episode here one of these days. Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely. I don't even remember where we left off. Did we make it to season three? Um, no. I think we did the first two seasons, <laughs> and I think, and then we've done a, a hand a smattering of other episodes. You know. Sure, but uh, sure. no, we we could stand to uh, blow through. I cause I think it's gonna get better and better too. I think like season three. I think it's, I, I think I, it, I think we're fixing to get into some really good stuff here coming up. Remember when Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger directed an episode? <laughs> that was so good. That's still <laughs> one of my sa- favorite stills from a a, a, a TV show. Uh-huh. Is Schwarzenegger and the Crypt Keeper? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and his uh, from what I remember, his episode is like about a bodybuilder. I can't remember. It's like a guy switches bodies with someone or something, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. It had to do with fitness. I remember. You know what I like about some of these episodes on our main show is, uh, like, you know, last week we had Michael Chow on, and we 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 discussed Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And I actually, I recently, I I was editing that episode, so I listened to some of it the other day. Um, which, by the way, I was curious. So I say something to Michael Chow at the end of um, our Wolf of Wall Street episode, mm-hmm. and he was also on an episode of our Twin Peaks: The Return series. And I listened to ch- a chunk, the end of that episode, and I say the exact same thing. So I'm wondering if I like during that whole Wolf of Wall Street episode was just like making this, like saying the same uh, things. At, maybe, at, maybe at, I'm like at what? just like a dad at, at, yeah. at like a family gathering, just yeah. telling the same stories over and over. At one point, I remember we did say we did say something like, "Oh, the uh, oh, it was like Matthew McConaughey, like he does that pounding on his chest thing." And like yes, we, we all I've, discussed it, <laughs> and then later you went <laughs> five minutes later. You're like, oh yeah, I guess this is something. I wonder if this is something he does for his like acting routine. And then we were all like, yeah, I, you don't have to wonder. <laughs> Jeremy, thank you for the reminder. That episode's not live yet. Thank you for the reminder to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny. It was. A, it was but what a, I love uh, uh, about these episodes, like Wolf of Wall Street, where we just have like. You know, we're excited to talk about the movie, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we we get right into it. Like, I think within like two minutes of that episode, we were talking about the movie. With a with an episode where we're covering a film like Bedtime Stories, <laughs> I think there's almost a vibe of us like, all right, how long can we like fill time 
until we get to bedtime. Until we stories. have to talk about it under extreme yeah. duress. Yeah, you know. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, yeah. it's a good question. I mean, have you been watching anything? Like, I mean, are you still on your Survivor kick, or you want to save that for the Patreon? I don't want to give away. Too I'm much still of the on good the Survivor stuff. kick, and you know what? I came to a I came to a crossroads this afternoon, Jeremy. You know, I've been baking a lot. I've been baking breads. I've been baking. I made uh, hell yeah, brother. Last I've night. been baking too. I as soon as I said that, I knew you were gonna make a joke <laughs> about the the devil's weed, the devil's um, lettuce. Let us pray. I've been doing the uh, the kind of baking that is uh, 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 that will not ruin your life. Oh, completely. sure, sure, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The kind that will not lead to any type of uh, health injuries at all is uh, mixing bread and sugar together <laughs> and throwing it in the oven <laughs> and then eating it. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, but I've you know I've been baking and baking, my friend, is a great activity to do to just like have something on in the background. So I've been burning through Survivor. I uh, I finished a season this morning and uh, I let me ask you, my dude. I'm I'm looking for recommendations. I would like I would like to have another show, uh, particularly one that's good to have on, like just sort of in the background of things. Oh. Do you have any recommend re- any recommendations come to mind? Um, I mean, since you're baking. I, I don't know if you've gone into. Um, I've been think. I think I know what you're going to say. Is it the Bake Off, yeah, the British Bake yeah, Off? Yeah. I've been thinking about it. You know, I've been thinking. I have this Netflix uh, prescription. My doctor prescribed it to me. Um, he told me to watch two episodes of something a day, uh, and uh, some of the side effects might include um, <laughs> constipation right. and diarrhea. Right. Uh, yeah, I. you know what? I had already been thinking about that, so now that you mention it, I think I will get into the Bake Off show. Yeah, um, it's, it's a calming, very relaxing show that you can really just kind of tune in and out as you f- see fit, you know? Right. Like, you right. don't have to, you don't have to sit there and be glued, you know, it's not the, 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 the show Breaking Bad, where you have to mm. watch every delicious minute of it. No, this is more of a, like a have it on in the background. Honestly, because it, it's a reality show as well. I think any reality show is great. Yeah, is great for that. Like, and and so I'd get on that Netflix train and get on that like uh, you know, Love Is Blind kick. Mm. That's some good stuff right is there. It a dating show for blind people. Close. It's a dating show where they don't, um, where they only are allowed to hear each other's voices. Uh, they can't see each other until they commit to marriage. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it is it. pretty good. It's supposed to. Uh, it's supposed to. You know, ensure that whole like, you know, is love really blind? Turns out, mm. it's not. <laughs> well, Jeremy. Speaking of listening to people's voices, I think we <laughs> should probably talk about bedtime stories. But I think first. Tell the people I talk. I mentioned the Patreon a little bit, but why don't you give the people the rundown on the Patreon? Because in my opinion, <coughs> it's probably the best thing we're putting out there. I think so. Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy. You can find an incredible amount of bonus content b- by us 
uh, for you lovely people out there. We are covering currently the entire filmography of the Coen brothers, which has been an absolute treat. And for uh, new listeners out there, just a little FYI, we just got through Lady Killers, so it's only uphill from here. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good time over there. You know, Eric and I tend to let our hair down. Um, mm. We really tend to, like, let let every let it let it all hang out let it loose so to speak you know we're unbuckling our belts you know kind of unbuttoning our pants to kind of let our guts <laughs> hang out a little bit uh out there on the patreon it's a good time we've cultivated a pretty awesome um group of folks over there who are are just you know we're film lovers one and all and uh and and also sometimes we cover episodes of tales from the crypt <laughs> so come on down check out patreon.com slash eric and jeremy it is it is truly um a podcast to behold it really is jeremy and i couldn't think of a better uh, a better pitch i'm signing up right now yeah me too and, and I, I do the podcast. That's yeah, and I re- and but you know, we, as we've established, Eric doesn't remember the things he said five minutes ago. So it's like uh, listening to a brand new episode when you listen to it. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, I uh, I've been baking, Jeremy. I don't know if you knew <laughs> this about me. Um. So bedtime stories. You know, I'm doing a bad job here. I don't even have. Not only did I not do research. I don't even have the Wikipedia pulled up yet. Wow. This is <laughs> also, I just searched the word bedtime. <laughs> which <laughs> It's not a you know, sure it, thing that that's going to gonna pull up that movie. And bedtime stories. Wow. You know the movie is a success when you type mm-hmm. in the title and uh, it doesn't come up right away. Okay. Bedtime stories. Um. This movie came out in 2008, Jeremy. Wow. I can't I believe was that. Out of high school. You're four years old. For youngest high school graduate <laughs> in the state of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, a hotel handyman's life changes when the lavish bedtime stories he tells his niece and nephew start to magically come true. So this is a happy Madison, yes. right? Yes, it is. It's yeah. in conjunction, though, with... Uh, Mr. Disney. Uh, Disney, yeah, himself. Yes. Um, I like Happy Madison doing a kids movie. I guess they kind of tried to do that with um, Eight Crazy Nights. Oh, an movie. yeah, kind of. That felt more adult, though, than this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely is like a straight-up kids movie, and it kind of does thinking back to like 2008 and like the family movies of the time yeah this kind of has that vibe like it you can kind of tell what they're doing yeah with the context of like the movies that were coming out around it i don't i you know i don't mind like the concept of this movie i'll say i'll say this like right off the bat this movie is not for like me to watch what are are you kidding me you're telling me that uh a, a movie fit for literal children <laughs> didn't didn't win you over. I you know what too like this movie bedtime stories. The premise of it is not only a premise that I don't mind. It's a premise of several other movies. This is essentially uh, the Princess Bride, um, oh. the Tarsum film The Fall. You know, it's mm. the idea that someone is telling 
a story to a child. And then we're seeing that, what would that story look like? You know? Um, right. Uh, have you seen The Princess Bride, Eric? This is gonna this is gonna make you say what the hell? Mm-hmm. But Jeremy, never seen the Princess Bride. Mm. Yeah, I, I felt I felt like maybe you hadn't because you know, it, uh, when I mentioned that you were kind of like oh oh, but yeah no this is um, uh, Princess Bride is one of the, you know it's like a big famous classic movie you know or whatever and it it's this essentially the same premise of like a grandpa who's telling his son a bedtime story and we get to see it happen and it's funny and comedic and whatever. I will say um, this movie is, I don't mind this movie that much. I don't think it's, I don't think it's like horrible. And I think it's like probably really fun for kids. Um, We'll get into some of the reasons I think that is. And it was a box office success, believe it or not. um, Even though it received scathing reviews from critics, Mm. (laughs) critics, hated bedtime stories eric it has an approval rating of 27 percent on rotten tomatoes <laughs> yeah which i don't think it it's weird like i don't think critics should should actually watch kids movies or comedies <laughs> no i think there should be like little kid critics going yeah. with their little uh notebook well with etch-a-sketch taking notes on etch-a-sketch i like that yeah, that's a good. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's a good rule. Um, yeah, I don't know this. Yeah. This movie is also like I will say for a Happy Madison, a kids movie. Um, it's using a lot of uh, Hollywood A listers and celebrities. Uh, right. For I I wish that this was a true Happy Madison production, and it was using. Alan Covert and and company yes. like and like uh, even though he is in this movie like briefly yeah. I, I I want it to be like you know uh uh Kevin James and uh and Chris Rock and like I want like the whole Sandler and David Spade I want the whole Sandler gang in here like mm. doing stuff um there we get a little bit of that but not quite you know as much we do get a rob schneider we do get a uh uh carmen electra which does feel like a very um adam sandler type cameo appearance <laughs> yeah. uh we do get nick swartzen but they're pretty low on the cast list and i, I kind of feel like you know we could have used just more happy madison stuff in here i think i think so um yeah, so this is directed by Adam Shankman, who, uh, listen to this run of movies, Jeremy. Mm. Uh, let's see, he directed, oh, I'm looking at his producer credits, uh, The Pacifier. Oh, wow. Cheaper by the Dozen 2, mm. Hairspray, mm. and then Bedtime Stories. Yeah, but- Those are all pretty big movies. I remember, I was paying attention to movies around that time, and those all existed, and I think did pretty well. Dude, he he, he directed um, uh, the Wedding Planner and A Walk to Remember, which is a huge movie for me growing up. <laughs> like that was played in our house like constantly. Um, if you grew up Christian, uh, mm. Walk to Remember was a big deal. Um, bringing down the house, damn. 
You know, this might have to, we might have to do uh, Shankman <laughs> <laughs> series. Yeah. Uh, what would we call it? We call it something like, um, uh, sure about Shankman. <laughs> yeah. That works. Yeah. He also directed uh, some TV, too. Directed uh, some Monk, some Modern Family, Glee. <clears throat> this guy seems like uh, a, a guy for hire. He does kind of seem like that. Co-written by Tim Hurley and uh, Matt Lopez. Right. We know Hurley, of course, for a lot of these Sandler movies. Um, and Matt Lopez... Uh, don't recognize anything. No, and he doesn't even have a Wikipedia for me to look up no. stuff about. So, Jeremy, were you aware? <laughs> did you know that the bulldog shown in the movie is Adam Sandler's beloved pet, Matzo Ball? No. I thought Meatball was his. I thought his dog's name was Meatball, but maybe he has another. Maybe he's had multiple with similar names. I was going to say, Sandman also seems like the kind of guy who might have more than one dog. That's true. The man is a dog. (laughs) Hound dog. (laughs) Uh, The first family film and only Disney film produced by Sandler's Happy Madison Productions. It received a PG where all previous entries were PG-13 or R. I wonder why they didn't uh, Disney didn't team up with an R-rated Happy Madison movie. Would have been great. (laughs) (laughs) If we could get like all the Happy Madison rated R stuff, but with also Goofy and Donald. (laughs) Uh, Sandler's first Disney film. Yeah, the trivia, uh, just for the listener out there, is really boring for this movie. It's just really not good. Uh, You'll see stuff like, According to Adam Sandler, Russell Brand's performance out of the main cast scored the highest among test audiences. If you're bringing in facts about what happened in the testing of this (laughs) film to test audiences, you are scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yes, unless it's David Lynch facts (laughs) where the test audiences ran out screaming in the middle of the movie. It's not interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I want to hear about a woman who has like a stroke because she's watching a David Lynch movie in a test, you know, yeah. not the, uh, not, <laughs> not who tested. I will say, um, uh, Russell Brand, um, not a fan, but happy he's in this movie because he does like some, he brings some like charisma <laughs> to it. Some like a little bit of comedy, uh, I guess. Um, uh, I watched uh, Get Him to the Greek recently. Uh, that's a good movie. It's not bad. He's not like... He's good at like what he... Is he if he's like cast well. Like he's well cast in that movie. Yeah. He's one of those people though who I'm like, where did this guy come from? Yeah. Like he just sort of like appeared. Like, like he, he just went from being like someone I've never known to being someone who... Uh, was like promoted as like the most famous per- British person on earth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I'm do you like, think of right. him in this movie? He's all right. <laughs> I don't mind him. I I actually would prefer like another like Happy Madison, you know, goofier person. Yeah, like to be it, in like, that it role. Maybe should be like Nick Swartzen <clears throat> in this yeah, role or something. I think so. But uh, yeah, and then you have like roles like Guy Pierce is in this, and like. He doesn't need to be in this. And like 
you know, nothing against I like I like Guy Pierce. It's just he. It's like I'm like ugh, I, I don't know. It, it, yeah, not a not not really doing it for me. Um. Anyway. Well, Jeremy, as young children, Skeeter and Wendy Brownson are raised by their father, Marty, at the family business, uh, the Sunny Vista Motel. Uh, however, despite being a good hotelier and host, Marty faces serious financial problems with the business and almost goes bankrupt. Uh, the motel is sold into a forced liquidation to Barry Nottingham, CEO and founder of the hotel chain Nottingham Hotels, and rebuilt into a luxury hotel named the Sunny Vista Nottingham. Uh, 25 years later, Skeeter is stuck as the hotel's hardworking repairman, uh, despite Nottingham previously promising the late Marty to let Skeeter run the hotel if he showed promise. So Sandler is this like weird re- hotel repairman guy who should, I guess, maybe be like running the hotel. Yeah. So um, I gotta say, you know, we don't we we do sometimes mention on the show like how like a lot of the premises for a Happy Madison film are like built on sand, <laughs> like they're not real scenarios most of the time um it'll it's always like sandler has the job where he needs to pitch the thing to the guy to get the promotion Mm -hmm. like you know it's and and like like movies like starring steve martin like aren't necessarily better like there there's this is just a kind of a common comedy trope is that like the job of the main character is just like really far-fetched uh this is maybe the weirdest one of all of them, right? Pretty odd, yeah. Hardworking hotel repairman is <laughs> they like he's gonna let Skeeter run the hotel. <laughs> what is? <laughs> I don't even get. Did he go to business school? Like, how is he gonna run the whole hotel? How are you that no. low on the food chain? Like, I get it if he was, like, the assistant to, to the late Marty or something. If he was, like, you know what I mean? Like, if there was some sort right. of... at least So, like, this isn't too dissimilar from, like, Billy Madison, right? Which is, like, the idea of, like, Billy is going to run this company or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, like, at least that is, like, played for laughs, that idea right right like it's it's so ridiculous and we all know it's ridiculous this is just like what the heck (laughs) why would you eric it's like why the audience is supposed to feel like skeeter deserves to be running this hotel because it's his dad's company or something right like we're supposed to be like rooting for nepotism (laughs) to happen yes exactly like clearly he doesn't He's the repairman. What are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, but again, like these aren't real things. Like they never are. They're never like, so, and, and I think you're just supposed to forget about them. Like the stakes of the film or what gets you into the fun of the movie. You're, you're supposed to just forget about it. You know who I like in this movie, Jeremy, is, uh, Xena. Yeah. Lucy Lawless. Yeah. Lucy Lawless is fun, man. I like Lucy Lawless. 
I got to get into Xena. What if I just got super, yeah. super into Xena? You know, Warrior that might be a show you could turn on in the background while you're uh, cooking. I wonder. Yeah. Let me see. I'm. I. I have a. Okay. No, it's not. I was like, I bet you you could watch Xena for free on uh, the sponsor of our show, Crackle, yeah, Crackle. Crackle, or Tubi. Unofficial sponsor, I should say. Um, let's see here. Nottingham announces plans to close the old hotel in order to build a new one named the Sunny Vista Mega Nottingham and appoints the snotty Kendall Duncan as its future manager simply because he is dating Nottingham's daughter, Violet. Yeah. Uh, what do you uh, think of <laughs> Kendall? Uh, this, so this is Guy Pierce. Um, yeah. he's good at it. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. Like he, 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 I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, he's they're like these are just like fill in the blank celebrity celebrities. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're just like, yeah. It's just like, oh, who do we cast as Wendy Bronson, Skeeter's sister, Courtney Cox? Even though, isn't she dating Sandler in like another movie? <laughs> yeah. Like. You know who do we get is uh, his friend Mickey, who's f- f- hot right now, Russell Brand. It's just they're not they, they these casting choices aren't necessarily inspired. I do like Guy Pierce though a lot in in general as a rule of thumb. But this I'm like, I don't know. It's not none. I guess and I guess maybe because the no one they they don't do a lot with these roles. That's also probably like a reason why I'm not psyched on everybody in the movie, but. Yeah, Guy Pierce is kind of boring in this movie. I wish he was. I wish it was someone else. I wish it was someone more menacing. It should be Will Ferrell, <laughs> like someone like that, like someone who Will Ferrell or someone who's just like really good at being a villain. Like, uh, bring back the Shooter McGavin guy. Yeah, or like Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Wendy asks Skeeter to watch her children, Patrick and Bobby. Um, because the school at which she is the principal is closing down and she is looking for a job in Arizona. The first night, Skeeter cynically tells them a bedtime story in which he casts himself as an underdog peasant in a medieval fantasy world who is unfairly passed over for promotion. Uh, dissatisfied with the story's unhappy ending, the children add that he gets a chance at the promotion and it starts raining gumballs. Oh, and that it starts raining gumballs. Uh, the next day, the story miraculously comes true. Nottingham recalls the original promise he made to Marty, uh, gives Skeeter a shot at the manager position, and on his way home, gumballs rain on Skeeter from a truck crash on an overpass. It's raining candy, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah, I... I like, yeah, uh, so so let's, what's the mechanics here? He tells a story about it raining gumballs and then it does but it has to be something that the so he it has to be something that the kids add to the story i think got it so anything that the kids say yeah is true and and is there is any that weird. i don't remember is there any like magical reason this is happening no okay. <laughs> no got it i don't think so there really should have been like a you know a Chucky moment or something <laughs> where we get. Yeah, there definitely should have been a Chucky. Mo- I mean, that goes for any movie. 
Um, the next night at the hotel, Skeeter tells a Wild West story in which he, as a cowboy, is freely given an expensive horse named Ferrari. Going out later that night, he saves Violet from obnoxious paparazzi. He then sees Violet's Ferrari car and mistakenly thinks it is for him before dri- Violet drives away. Skeeter realizes that only the children's additions to the stories come true. The night after that, Skeeter, with the children's help, tells a story about a chariot-riding stuntman Mm. in ancient Greece who wins a date with the fairest maiden in the land. Uh, The next day, Skeeter ends up spending the day with and falling for his sister's friend and colleague, Jill. Yes, which is this also kind of like a click situation a little bit? Of like, he wants to date someone, so he makes the children like tell the story, to so he can yeah. get a date with somebody. Like, yes, you know where it's like it's like that weird like consent bl- blurred line of like, are you casting witch spells on people to date you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little, yeah, it's a little questionable. Um. On Skeeter's last night with the children, he tells them a space opera-style story in which he triumphs over Kendall in a duel, but the children add that someone kills him with a fireball. Uh, Skeeter (laughs) learns from Kendall that the new Nottingham Hotel will be at the location of the closing school. I don't understand this whole, like, school closing thing, by the way. Yeah. The school is going to be clo- like, aren't there just other? They're acting as if this is the only school on in the city or something, right? Or like, or like, if what I don't that think <laughs> just think about that. When have you ever even heard of the premise of a school closed? <laughs> it, yes, to be replaced by a hotel. Yeah, like when is a school ever closed? Like on what? Wh- why would it ever close? <laughs> I don't know. A school is not a place of business. <laughs> uh, Skeeter learns from Kendall. Uh, I already read that. Skeeter and Kendall both make presentations on how to best best to market the hotel. With his heartfelt speech, Skeeter ultimately wins the managerial position. However, Skeeter, paranoid against fire due to the story, blasts a fire extinguisher at Nottingham's cake, who then fires him. Yes, yeah, it's pretty Damn. good. Skeeter, much to the surprise, that's covered in uh, fire. Well, yes, because I'd imagine if it looks, if it tastes like it looks, which it looks like whipped cream, I would imagine (laughs) that the the fire extinguisher stuff tastes pretty good. Yeah. Never taste it, but interested. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I want to, you know how people will just like, take whipped cream right out the can. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that with a fire extinguisher <laughs> after this episode. That's pretty good. Uh, Skeeter, much to the surprise of Jill in Nottingham, manages to get the hotel's location moved to the beachfront in Santa Monica, after which Skeeter and Jill race to the school before it can be demolished. Uh, while at the site protesting the school's closure, Bobby and Patrick sneak in the building to give their sign a better view. Skeeter and Jill arrive just in time to stop Kendall from setting off the highly sensitive explosives, saving the kids and the school. Sometime later, Skeeter marries Jill and opens a motel named after his father with Kendall and his 
accomplice has been demoted to the motel's wait staff. I just want to point out another Sandler movie where the movie ends like a number of years later and Sandler is married right. <laughs> to the person. And his enemy love interest in the works movie. for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, at this point, has Rob Schneider done the most problematic character streaks in movie, in history? movie history? Yeah, I uh, he had to have because we're at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Violet marries Skeeter's best friend, Mickey giving him control of the Nottingham Empire. Nottingham quits the hotel industry to become a school nurse, and newlywed Skeeter and Jill have a baby. Hmm. Yep. The end. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so that is so interesting. I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to realize, I, I, don't, I don't know why it took me this long, but like, they just thought Rob Schneider... It would be fun if he just played every different kind of race. And they just kept casting him as like, okay, this time you're going to do Native American. Okay, this time you're going to do Armenian. Okay, this time you're going to do Palestinian. You know what I mean? Like, they just kept... And I think it just is like one of those choices that like... There was nobody being in the room being like, no, 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 you don't understand. See, this this is not good. (laughs) Like, he's going to play an Asian guy. You know what I mean? It was just like... It's it just crazy, like that he they. This was the gag, like and and it was so very intentional, and it almost feels like they just kept bringing him on to play like different, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, it's I. It's funny that you bring that up, or that you point that out, because that does seem to be like what the what the joke is. It's almost like. It's almost, in my imagination, it's it's like, uh, you know, maybe they come up with this sort of idea uh, of, like, you know, someone playing, like, a goofy caricature of someone right. from a different ethnicity. Uh, and then it's just sort of like, I don't know if it's either Rob Schneider is just like, he'll be down to do it because he just, he'll do anything. Or if it's like it would be funny if Rob Schneider just keeps doing this as like a recurring yeah thing. I I can't tell it'll be interesting <laughs> to mark the year it stops you know what right. I mean like we'll have to we'll have to make a note of like like the last time Schneider does something like this because at some point I feel like it can't it's like definitely can't still be happening you know what I mean like. People would not. People would call that out today. I think harder than they probably did back in '08. You know, I think that we're gonna have to force our listeners to watch and force you to watch an episode of uh, the real of Real Rob. <laughs> did you ever see that? No. <laughs> it came out. I think it was on Netflix. It came out like five years ago. Oh wow! And it's Rob Schneider doing like. Uh, curb your enthusiasm thing where he has like a beautiful wife and he's oh, it's like a com- comedic but it's like so he's like so vain <laughs> and yeah. it, it's like you're there's no way your life is like this awesome. you know awesome. uh, it's just like so self-aggrandizing it's not funny at all but it's funny we gotta cover the pilot or something for the patreon <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would be great we should <laughs> oh man it's crazy yeah no the rob schneider stuff it's definitely it's with a modern lens 
it's nuts. But it's also just like it's nuts and wrong. But then, I, but it, what it's got me doing is trying to guess what they were th- like, how it was pitched, what they were thinking. I think they just thought it was awesome and funny until they finally realized it wasn't. Someone finally was like, this is actually like not good. Cause I bet you at some point too, they, they're going to stop making fun of like trans people. That's a, you know what I mean? In these films, like, yeah. and, and I, it, it just goes along with the times. I mean, they were doing, they were doing comedy in the nineties, dude, like forever ago. So it's like, and I'm sure Rob Schneider also did a lot of this stuff on SNL as well. Like that's kind of how they knew him. He was like a Catan or a, or Dana Carvey, a guy that could just kind of disappear into like any, any role or anything they needed him for, you know? And I think, um, I think before, yeah. Oh, go on. No, go finish your, uh, oh, I was just going to say, I, I think it's because he himself is slightly ethnically ambiguous. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, they almost it's almost like you feel like they think oh he can get away with it cuz he's you kind of can't tell his heritage you know yeah um yeah i don't know it's it's the, the that is like a whole and it doesn't it's not just rob schneider it, it's just like the whole happy madison sort of sense of humor uh as a whole th- during a certain period and i mean I used to think things were funny that are I think are like problematic now. I mean, I think it's just like the way that things, you know, it's the changing of the times and people like become aware of, you know, uh I think what it boils down to is like you know, realizing that certain actions or making fun of certain things like hurt people's feelings and you didn't really know that before. Um, so it's like a really interesting aspect of uh, watching these Sandler movies. And right. it's kind of hard to, I, I don't know, like in a movie like Chuck and Larry, I'm just like, you guys should have known better <laughs> for, for a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, there's definitely a, a lot of instances like that, but there's also ones where I'm like, well, you have to sort of put it in perspective a little bit in oh, terms yeah. of like the time and stuff. But the Rob Schneider, for whatever reason, Rob Schneider is like always involved in the ones where I'm like, you really should have known better. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's I think that's exactly what I'm so interested in too. Because yeah, these movies being from a certain time, they're gonna have jokes in them that are just not cool today. Mm. They're gonna have aspects. That's not that's a given. We know that going into doing this podcast is we're covering stuff that's like, oh, you know, even doing the Chucky franchise there's stuff in those movies that probably wouldn't fly today you know that's and that's that's fine that's how that's how culture works it it, what's so fascinating to me is that they have relegated schneider to that function in every one of the movies you know what i mean like he is the guy that comes in and plays the problematic (laughs) stereotype like so i just wonder what he how he what he thinks of all that stuff all that work he did through like 20 years of it you know at least kind of kind of crazy to think about like it's not like they all i mean they it's it's not like he they had oh in this one nick schwartzen's gonna play the palestinian guy you know what i mean it was like no it's rob schneider every time (laughs) yeah um Um, before i forget 
with so uh, with Survivor, the a funny thing that happens with Survivor. I've been watching a lot of the like early seasons, and you will look these people up after or after you watch a season to like see what what they're doing and stuff. And some of them go on to be like actors or whatever, or like some of them like get married to each other. It's kind of interesting to see okay. where they end up. And I watched season one recently, Jeremy. Colleen Haskell is on season one. Nice. Do you know who Colleen Haskell is? Does that name ring a bell? No. Co-star of Rob Schneider's The Animal. Oh, like right after she was on Survivor, oh. she was she like kind of blew up because she's she's quite a character on Survivor. She's very uh, a very likable character. Oh yeah, and, I recognize uh, like this. Not person. long after that, yeah, she she went on to to do. Rob Schneider's The Animal, and then an episode of that '70s show, and then quit entertainment <laughs> entirely. Ah, uh, but, but she uh, actually she yeah. also did an episode of Maybe It's Me. So let's not forget that. <laughs> Maybe it's me. Um, but yeah. Wow, that's good for her. She cute. She can come back anytime. Yeah, she's a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of. I'm like you know what? Number one Colleen Haskell fan right here. Yeah. Uh, Eric, why don't you rate this movie? Give us your final thoughts and rate it. Well, we're doing this out of four this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't give it over a four. I know you want to. <laughs> Damn it. Well, uh, I mean, I don't know. This movie's not for me. It's, it's This movie was not, is not uh, designed for two thir- men in their 30s to talk about on a podcast necessarily. <laughs> but um, since we're doing that, I suppose I should give it a rating. Uh, I, I just, I I think that this story doesn't work very well as a kid's movie because all of the things that are happening, it, like all of the turning points in this movie are like adult themes. Like, the kids are driving the story, but they don't know it. And all of the, like, imagination, you know, like the fireball and stuff and the Ferrari and all these things that are, like, uh, that come up in these fantastical stories, um, how they affect the movie is in, like, a way that, like, only resonates with adults, you know? Right. So I think if I was a kid watching this movie, I would probably think that it's, like, not that great. Um so I don't know. I don't think it does being a kids movie well, unfortunately. But I'm also, again, in my 30s, so I don't know. But I guess I would give. And I also don't think it's funny for like as an adult. I didn't really find much humor in it. Um, I was rooting for this one, but I'm, unfortunately, I think I have to give it a 1.5 out of four. Oh, dude, that's my. Yeah. That's exactly my score. <laughs> I gave it. Uh, but, oh, I thought you were going to be like, dude, this is my favorite one. This is my favorite. No, uh, Bedtime Stories gets a 1.5 for me as well. It is, uh, I think if I had kids in 08, I think they'd like this movie. That's why I'm kind of giving it a, a little bit more than like a 1.25. Uh, I gave The Longest Yard a 1.25. Longest Yard, and okay. I gave Bulletproof a 1.25. So those are movies where I didn't feel like a one was was quite right like it's not the bottom of the barrel necessarily it's kind of like 
right above it's like right above that a little bit um uh and then um you know a movie like click is a movie that i i'm like that's a 1.75 movie this is this is sort of i don't like this movie as much as click obviously i think like click a lot more but i don't think it's as bad as um like longest yard um it kind of sits here in the middle of sort of the bottom tier stuff and i think for me like at the end of the day it is a disney movie with a lot of money poured into it so it like there are some cool like vfx stuff you know i mean i'm really struggling to like be nice to the movie uh but at the end of the day like eric said it isn't for me it wasn't made for me either like i i shouldn't have expected to like it more there are kids movies that i think really work on both levels of being for adults and kind of for kids you know shrek is an example of one of those where it's just like oh yeah like uh you know this has something a little something for everyone in it um this is kind of less like that it doesn't make a lot of sense performances aren't great like russell brand i think is maybe one of the more charismatic people in this movie and i kind of hate him (laughs) so it's a it's a 1.5 um for me and uh you know i think it was i think it was a good experiment to see like a happy madison disney film i think that's like that's that was a nice thing to kind of watch i do wish it leaned more into the happy madison stuff than the disney but say lovey here we are um yeah i agree i like the spirit of this movie it's just uh you know i wonder if we get do we get another happy madison kids movie i'm i'm not you know i'm curious to see them do another one because uh i do think that the, the the you know the Sandler style humor can work very well for kids. Sure. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I Billy Madison at this week... point basically is a kid's movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was for us um, growing up. Oh, yeah. I was watching that thing when I was two years old. <laughs> um, Scorsese. So, we are, we jumped ahead in time a little bit last uh, week so we are gonna go back and uh we you can finally stop sending us death threats about not covering hugo i promise you we'll get to hugo <laughs> um, oh yeah we messed but up first we have to do we have to do uh shutter island yes so we will be discussing shutter island and you know what jeremy i'm excited for shutter island because i read that book uh i think last year maybe two years ago but it's one where I've been thinking, I can't wait to watch this movie to see Scorsese's take on the book. I'm assuming he read the book before making the movie. Uh, so maybe, maybe yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, Jeremy, anything you want to say before we sign off? No way. Well, go to patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy for all those bonus content needs and Norma. I'll see you in my dreams. Mm-hmm.